Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Here we go with the best of the Joe Show. Running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. Hopefully you are happy, healthy, Wealthy and wise, at least healthy, though. I am healthy. That's about it. Wealthy, wise, happy. I am happy. I'm happy and healthy. And that's a lot these days. That's like being wealthy, but not like being wise. Nonetheless, I am Dan Day. Follow me on Twitter. Honestly, after that intro, going to be an interesting follow. At Dan Day Radio. I've been putting up the song of the Dan Day Every single day to kind of get you through this outbreak while you're cooped up. A little respite from it all, at least three, four minutes at a time. I post all types of other craziness. So get at it. At Dan Day Radio. On the way, going to be hearing from the Joe Rose Show. They're going to be talking with Zoo Miami's Ron McGill. Tiger King is on everybody's watch list. Ron McGill weighs in. Also, the Dan Levitard Show talking with one of the greatest sack Fly hitters of all time, Craig Council, then Hawk and Crowder Sports, and then peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Something better than peanut butter and jelly? Headlines. Tua Tangovaloa says he is 100% healthy and can play next season. The NFL draft is scheduled for April 23rd through the 25th. Jimmy Johnson has selected Troy Aikman as his presenter when he enters the NFL Hall of Fame. The ceremony is scheduled for August 8th. Both Wimbledon and the British Open have been canceled. This is the first time either has been scrapped since World War II. Video has surfaced of Lamar Jackson tossing practice passes to Antonio Brown. Brown remains unsigned. The Dolphins have signed punter Matt Hack to a restricted free agent tender. Hack has a 44.7 yards per punt average over the past three years in Miami and is expected to make $2.13 million next season. And now... We take a step into the day spa. <sighs> Turkmenistan is denying the existence of the COVID-19 outbreak. The Eastern European former Soviet satellite has banned the mention of coronavirus. And if you wear masks in public, you can be sent to jail. Denial. It isn't just a river in Turkmenistan. A rogue gang of mountain goats continues to wreak havoc on a Welsh town. Great. We can't get this under control. How are we going to stop coronavirus? After going off-road near Dallas, an 18-wheeler had its load of toilet paper burn up and destroyed. No! Okay, now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's get into some of the Joe Rose Show. This morning they got up early with Mr. Ron McGill. I would say he's the true Tiger King, but I don't want to say that bad of stuff about Ron McGill. Although Ron McGill has plenty of bad stuff to say about Tiger King. Also, his takes on Joe Exotic 
Doc Antel, Carol Baskin. Not so much of a take on the guy here in Miami that's in Tiger King. I can kind of see why. Guy was basically Scarface. And what zoos can do in the wake of Tiger King. Did you get to see the whole Tiger King? Did, did you watch I all the episodes? I watched the whole thing. The first, the, first day, the first day it came out, I binge-watched the whole series. Yes, I did. What a train right. wreck. White trash at its best. I tell you, I feel proud to be white right now, man, with watching that. <laughs> I mean, so, Ron, I, I guess the thing is, first of all, before we get into all the stuff, did you have any idea that the three characters in this show, the three different locations, have most of the tigers in the friggin' world? I had no idea. No, no, not, not just those three locations. I mean, what they're saying is most of the tigers in the world are, are in captivity, uh, not just by those three people. Um, you know, uh, they kind of blew that a little out of proportion. Now, they have many more tigers than they should have by any stretch of the imagination. As a matter of fact, you know, people like that Joe Exotic guy shouldn't even be raising crickets. I mean, that guy is just out of his flipping mind. I've never seen such a basket case in my life. I, I mean, couldn't, you, you know, if you wrote that stuff, Joe, and you submitted it to a, to a screenwriter, they'd laugh you out of the room. Get out of here. That is so ridiculous. And then you realize it's real life. You watch that series, and the first show, you go, oh, my God, this is all great. Each show, it gets worse. It gets right. worse. This can't get any worse, and it does. It's so funny because he is – I think he's a piece of crap for the record in 22 years. First of all, he drained his parents out all their money. We haven't. We didn't even talk about that while oh, he was he's doing an absolute, that. He's a user. He's a pedophile. just a basket case in every sense of the term. You know, what he did with those animals and the way he exploited those animals for his own benefit – uh, I was just sick. So let me ask you, when I see those guys selling those those uh, the, the little cubs and stuff, where, where, who takes them? Do, do, do zoos take them, or where do, or do they no, go as no. pets and, and, and to that's, other people? That's the, thing that, that's the thing that really ticked me off about this series, the fact that they didn't go interview any credible zoo professional who's really doing great work and great conservation work. These guys, what they're doing is they're ripping babies away from their mothers just to be able right. to take pictures with them, right. to make money off Terrible. the whole thing, which is horrific in and of itself. And then, you know, there's, there's some very sincere speculation that once many of those tigers reach an age where they can no longer make money for them or take pictures safely, they kill them. They just get rid of them. Uh, they're, they're disposable commodity. They're not looked at as a living thing. They're looking at, they're looked at as a number as to what you can make from me. And, you know, there were scenes in that, that series, that scene where you see them reaching with a broomstick and pulling the baby away from oh, the mother right, like minutes after right. born. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Right. You know, and this goes without saying, here's this guy you know, doing his social media stuff, shooting mannequins and putting rattlesnakes in mailboxes. I mean, I, this guy is so out of his freaking mind. But on the same, on the same side, this woman, Carol Baskins, oh, my God, she's no angel. This woman, as a matter of fact, I just read in the New York Times, they are reopening the case on the, the, the missing of her first husband, which I firmly believe she killed or had killed. That woman is a, is a, is a, is a no, I, I've been saying she's a crazy bitch. There's no question about it. She's out of her freaking mind. Every time, I mean, the new meme now is like, hi, my cats and kittens. And I want to throw up every time I hear it because I look at this <laughs> freaky lady with these little flowers around her hair like she's out of the 60s beatnik thing. Like, oh, peace, love, happiness. And she is such a hypocrite, that right. bitch. So, so Ron, <laughs> how, how did she get all the animal lovers behind her? I see all these comments, and she, she really you cares this, about Joe, the... Joe, what she does is she, she masters social media. Okay, and you, as anybody knows well... Social media is, it's the toilet bowl of the internet. What you're able to do is you get people to believe anything you say because you can say anything without having to be accountable for it. 
Now, I know people, I've personally never been to a place, but I know people, credible people who have been to a place and say, oh, my God, the facilities behind the scenes that you don't see are a total crap hole. I mean, it's just disgusting, you know? And she's saying how she's rescuing all these tigers. No, the very, a tiny minority of the cats she has there are rescues. Other ones are the ones that she bought, okay? So she's part of the problem. She's part of the problem because she's exploiting those animals for people to come see her to do this thing. Now, do I agree with her? That people should not be owning big cats like pets? Absolutely. But that's what she's doing in many ways. Speaking out of both sides of her mouth. And, and it's just ridiculous to see that. These guys who are just perpetuating this myth that they're conserving these animals is a bunch of crap. They're exploiting them for every possible way they can. Yeah, I was curious how you guys felt who, who do things the right way and care and uh, and not pulling away and not selling and, and the whole thing. What about this third guy who's also, he kind of got the, the, he was the third guy, Doc. Auntie or Antle, whatever. Antle. What kind of guy is he? Is he a sleazebag too? Well, listen, I've, I've, I've met Doc on several occasions. I've spoken to him. You know, he sent a book that he signed to me and stuff like that. Doc Antle, to put it in one term, is a cult leader. Okay? That guy has got his own cult. He's like the Jim Jones of tigers and animal people in the sense that what he does is, in my personal opinion, he lures in attractive women to which he's quote-unquote married to several of them uses this lure of the animals. Oh, my God, come on. You want to be part of this? Be part of this magic? All he's doing, again, is he's using these animals to get social media hit. You know, he's the guy that has these social media, uh, you know, these YouTube videos of the baby chimp bottle feeding right. a baby tiger, stuff like that. I mean, this is just ridiculous stuff. Yes, does it appeal to the public? Do they get the social media hits? Absolutely he does, because it's like everybody has this misconception. Oh, this is so cute. Look, the chimp loves the tiger, and he's become the tiger's mother. That's a bunch of crap. He's been trained to hold the bottle while the tiger's sucking the bottle, the tiger's picking right. And people like to be anthropomorphic about that. They like saying, oh, geez, look at that. There's so much love. It's kumbaya. Why can't more people be like this? And he's sucking him into that vortex. He knows that. The guy's a very smart guy. But at the same time, he's also exploiting these animals to make a profit. He's the kind of guy who rents, you know, elephants to walk in parades, to rent right. camels to do the same thing, uh, to take pictures of all these models. He's always kind of trying to combine, you know, his girls dressed up like little Tarzanettes with their little minimum clothing, <laughs> and doing their little their little routines and going into the water and swimming with right. them. This is so it's so ludicrous, and I'm yeah. hoping that this because of all the attention the series is getting, that people are going to open their eyes and go, "Hey, stop it!" My big fear, though, Joe, is that people are going to look at this and say, "Well, that's what all zoos are like," and that couldn't be further from the truth. And on the same on the same note, yeah, I want I want to say this: there are some. It's, a, it's certainly a minority, but there are some private individuals who work with exotic animals who do incredible work, do incredible work okay. breeding them. and re There are there are some good ones, okay? Um, the majority of these people are not good ones. The majority of these roadside attractions is horrible, but I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. There are some people that really do great work, raise money for conservation, send a lot of money to conservation. You know, accredited zoos have learned from them on how to, to maintain these animals, husbandry techniques, how to best get them uh, to reproduce, to preserve a species. But at the same time, accredited zoos aren't breeding things like tigers on a run like that. Our, our lions, for instance, they're out on birth control. Our chimpanzees, they're out on birth control because we don't have a place to put them. Zoos have what's called an SSP, a species survival plan. It's all these accredited zoos work together to make sure that every baby that's born has a place in another accredited institution to make sure it doesn't end up in somebody's backyard as a pet, to make sure that it doesn't end up, uh, you know, in some circus or something like that, or some, God forbid, a canned hunting farm or something like that. These other people are breeding these animals just for profit. Zoos don't breed for profit. Zoos 
agreed to supply other zoos because we don't take animals out of the wild. And, and they work to try to educate and send that money back to conservation in the wild. You, you won't see a zoo, an accredited zoo, taking a, 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 a tiger and giving photo opportunities with people to hold a tiger or taking, you know, uh, a chimpanzee to go do a commercial for television. You won't see right. accredited zoos doing that because it's morally wrong. Do you have any, I just wanted to ask Ron if you had any interaction with the guy, the Scarface guy in Miami. Like, have you ever met that I, guy? I, I, actually, I actually know him very well. Very well. As a matter of fact, I started working for him, um, uh, God, about 30 something years ago when he was, when he was bringing animals in. And I got to be honest with you, I learned a lot from him for his husbandry techniques. The guy knows how to care for animals. Having said that, I've distanced myself from him considerably over the last several years because of the fact of what he was doing with animals. You know, he's, he's got a chimpanzee that he, he's hand raising that he uses to take photo ops and he charges a lot of money to take those photo ops. And though, you know, I, I learned a lot from him. He was very good to me, taking aside, you know, the crimes that he committed uh, in the drug trade right. way back when. <laughs> but he was right. But our philosophies are very different. And he knows that. And, and he knows why I distanced myself from him. Because I said, listen, you know, guys, I want to make it clear. When I was young, I, I was probably part of this problem. You know, when I was a 20-something-year-old guy, man, I loved playing with those tiger cubs. I loved, uh, you know, working with these lions and, and all this stuff when they were younger and doing these things and doing the television programs. And then I got to a point in experience and knowledge and I realized this was wrong. And that's where it stopped it. That's why I said, I can't do this any longer. It's, it's the wrong thing to do. You know, education is power, and that's given me the power to understand that. I just wish that all these people would get on the program and understand the same thing. By the way, Ron, maybe the sleaziest thing, and there was a lot of sleaze. It's out, to, out sleazy. There was so much sleazy stuff. It's hard to rank them. But this piece oh, yeah, of man, crap, freaking, Jeff it makes, Lowe, it makes the national this guy, it Jeff Lowe, took over. That guy, I want to punch him in the face. This guy oh, was yeah, taking yeah. taking women, taking these t little baby tigers to right. Vegas to get laid, to have right. sex with all these women because these women apparently like, oh my God, you're you're getting it, you're getting anything you want if I can take this picture hey, with Joe, this. And that's exactly right, Joe. Like I said, when I was a young man back in my twenties, and I was you know holding tiger cubs it was a a, a, a woman magnet i mean why didn't you, know, you tell me that when i was younger like when i was running around higher <laughs> well, than a freaking kite i was in half those movies where that cocaine was and you never told me <laughs> well i gotta tell you joe I, like i said I, I you know when i was raising those baby animals i was there was no desperation for women and it wasn't because it, it, it wasn't it wasn't because of me joe because i could have looked like cyclops it, it wouldn't have made a difference they, 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 just see the, they, they see the baby animal and it's like oh my god so i understand the allure but you know you got to get over that and I'm, yeah. I'm you know i'm ashamed that i did that in my younger years but i've got to stand by myself and say listen can't do that any longer i gotta gotta try to to teach people the right thing to do now yeah i was gonna ask you about all the zoos the big zoos the the, right. the good ones do, do they feel the same way you do about all this stuff when they see that do they find it to be pathetic uh, it's disgusting. It's, 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 it's absolutely sickening. And like I say, I think I speak on behalf of almost all accredited zoos when they say, God, I wish they would have taken the time to distinguish the difference between these roadside crap holes to an accredited institution that has such a high bar to meet to make sure the animals are cared for, to make sure you're not carelessly breeding any animals, the strict birth control programs that we put into place to make sure we don't have any unwanted babies. You know, this the fact that we never pull animals from their mothers unless the mother is sick and can't care for the animal or the animal needs some kind of immediate medical attention. The last thing you want to do is take a baby away from its mother. 
It's the most horrible thing you could want to do. These people just do it as part of their natural routine. I mean, Ron, if all this stuff was going on, and, for, and obviously it was going on for a pretty long time, how come nobody... still going on. Still going no, on. Still going right, on. but how come no one from the government has gotten involved in this and really made this a big... I mean, I know that it's an animal thing, so maybe a lot of people are not saying that's on the forefront, but God, after seeing this and, and not really knowing much about it before this, except for I'm sure there's people out here who did it, man, how come no one else really stepped in and did anything about this, or are people trying well, to? Like, it's crazy. I- I think, well, people definitely have been trying to, but I think now that is going to be the silver lining of this crap show. Right. Is that it's brought so much attention now. It's got so much attention on social media. People are going to say, how can we put up with this? How can we stand for this? We've got to close this stuff down. We've got to be more uh, vigilant and making sure this does not happen. It came to a little bit of a head when that, that incident happened in Ohio, where that, that guy let go of everything that ended up having to be shot, and then he killed himself. Right. People were saying, what? This guy had lions, tigers, and bears in his backyard in the middle of Ohio? What the hell is going on in this world? And it was a wake-up call. Now, I ho- I'm hoping that this series and the amount that it's getting over, the uh, publicity is getting on social media, is going to be another wake-up call. And people are going to say, enough. we got to pass some laws right. and be uh, m- more vigilant about this. So are there, you tell me there's a lot of people out there that, like, own a tiger? Uh, Joe, or- Joe, right here in our own state, Joe, in our own state, there are hundreds of people owning tigers and lions and leopards and things like that as personal, quote-unquote, pets that they keep in their yard. All they have to do is get a permit, and the permit is given to them. They've proven they've had, you know, I think it's like 1,000 or 10,000 hours of experience working with these animals, and they have a minimal cage that meets the minimum requirements set up by the state, which to me are not enough at all. It's like giving people a a license to have a a ton of machine guns and not understand the power of the machine guns. It's a a tragedy waiting to happen. Well, I didn't know if you were going to come on and how you felt about it today, but I think you made it pretty clear how how, uh, disgusting it is. I'm livid about it. Uh, it's, it's, It's disgusting, but at the same time, I'm happy it's getting all of this attention. Because I haven't spoken to one person yet who goes, oh, man, that was really cool. It's it's the most dysfunctional white trash, as even the great former running back O.J. Simpson said. It's white trash (laughs) at its best, man. I mean, it's it's pretty bad. Hey, Ron, thank you, buddy. Wait, no, I got one more for Ron. I got one more for Ron. What else you got? Ron, can a tiger devour a human body, bones and all, and have no kind of nothing left over after that? Can a tiger do that? Tiger could do that. Yes, a tiger could do really? that. Uh, you so, know, not that I'm yeah. trying to be an investigator. No, right. no, you yeah. can ask him point blank. Ask him. Right. Did Carol Baskin <laughs> friggin' have him whacked? Five. Uh, the guy had a lot of money, and he's been missing for five I, years. I, 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 my gut feeling is absolutely she had him whacked. And like I said, I just read in the New York Times that now that right. the Tampa the Tampa Sheriff's Office has reopened the investigation into this guy's <laughs> loss. Whether she fed him to the Tigers, I don't know. But I'm sure she uh, had him whacked and had the body disposed of in such a way that he could never be found. Uh, you know, right. come on, look at the look at the facts in, in that documentary. She got they found a new will that she had was the executor to with after <laughs> his, his personal assistant for many years says no, that wasn't the case, and he was trying to get rid of her, get away from her. Okay, oh wow, how coincidental! Let's yeah. take a rocket scientist, guys, no, and then I'm look at her. Him. Hello, kit, cats and kittens. Oh, how are you? Oh. God, bless. that guy. By, <laughs> by the way, that. All right. Hey, Ron, thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Thank you very, very much. Ron McGill, a passionate guy. Like I said, don't want to call him the Tiger King. Tiger King, a lot of people are going crazy about it. Being from Louisiana, those are just kind of how people are, you know? I'm glad to be here in South Florida. And if that Scarface guy is listening, Dan Lebetard Show. They're not. They're excited next because former Marlin Craig Council joins the show.
keep it tuned for that. This is the Best of the Joe Show. The Best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am a Dan a day. Lots of quarantine and chill these days. Quarantine and chill. Although I have been coming into the radio station at like 4 in the morning and working all morning long just because we've got some staffing issues. No worries. No worries. No worries. Glad to be here. Glad to be here every day. Not just because of times. Good times, bad times. They're all good and great when you walk into these radio station doors. 560 The Joe WQAM. Dan Lebitard Show always doing a great even if things aren't exactly great in the world. They're feeling great because they caught up with former Marlin Craig Council talking about the greatest sack fly ever, Marlin's championship glory. Honestly, seems like Craig Council doesn't remember much from those glory days and on doing his job even as the worst player on the field. I just discovered, as we were talking during the break, uh, that uh, Chris and Billy might not be able to hear Craig Council right now. So I'm going to have to set this up for Craig Council so that he understands what it is and how excited we are to have him and why it is we're so excited to have him. Billy and Chris have alleged yesterday that the greatest sack fly in sack fly in baseball history of our most historic sport was in 1997 by Craig Council. Now, what would you guys like to say to Craig Council? He is there. Billy, you begin the, the bidding. What is it that you want to say? Because you're very excited about this right here. He understands. I, uh, I just want to thank Greg, Craig Council for the memories. I want to thank him for making me cry and not having his sacrifice fly until the ninth inning, as opposed to maybe producing a little more in the eighth. I want to tell him that if it wasn't for his sacrifice fly, Craig Council, I may have had to wear my school uniform to school the next day instead of my Marlins clothes. So thank you for joining us and uh, and welcome. You know, the the impact that that sack fly made, it's starting to, it's starting to really hit home now. I get it. Uh, would you believe, and they can't hear him, would you believe that Craig Council had not seen that game until yesterday? I couldn't believe when you said that, Craig, and thank you for joining us. I couldn't believe when you said that you hadn't re-seen that game until until two days ago. No, I haven't. It's it's true. Um, I'd seen the sack fly, you know, I'd seen kind of scoring the winning run, but like other parts of the game, no idea what it looked like and, and no memory of it at all. No memory of it. No, how is that possible? Just because it was too intense. Well, I mean, you'd, you know, you'd, you'd come up to bat, and I was I was watching it with my kids, and I, they'd say, "What happens here, Dad?" And I said, "I don't, I don't know what happens. Pretty good chance I'm making out because that was regular, but I, I didn't know what happened." Wait a minute, that doesn't seem like that could possibly be real. That you got so lost in the moment that you don't remember any of the details. No, it's 23 years ago. I mean, it's it's uh, you, you just you forget that stuff. You remember the kind of the good stuff, but uh, I, I don't remember the details at all. Chris, what do you have for Craig Council, Chris? Oh my God, this is such an honor. I just when I think of Craig Council, I think of my childhood. Not only does he have the best sack fly of all time, he also has a top five batting stance of all time. When he got those hands really high up, I mean, just fantastic. Craig, do you feel like your sack fly was overlooked and too much attention was paid to you scoring the game winning run? <laughs> no, no, I don't. I mean, like, I, I think when you're, when I was up in, in the situation, honestly, you're like, just don't lose the World Series. I mean, we were, we were down two to one when I was up there. So when I tied the game, I felt like, uh, you know, you, you did your job. Um, so I, I was just, I was happy to be part of the story. I still feel like I was the worst player on the field. I learned that again watching the game the other night. I was by far the worst player on the field. So <laughs> I was 
thrilled to do my part. And no, I mean, the sack fly was, you know, it was just part of the story. It's, it's when the game got really good, really. You were the worst player on the field when Greg Zahn was on the field. <laughs> for the first nine innings, for sure. Billy, what do you have uh, What do you have for Craig Council and his sacrifice fly? Well, yeah, so I'm just kind of wondering what's going through your head. So you're coming in, you're down one run, runner on first, runner on third, Billy Gill in the upper deck crying. And you know, you know, it's go time here. We have one out. Are you going in thinking, hey, I need to hit a sacrifice fly here? Like, was that the call? Like, you got to whatever the sign was where they touched the elbow and the nose and it's like it's sack fly time. And were you worried that you got too much of it? Because it went close to the warning track. And I'm wondering, if you hit a, a walk-off home run there, do you think you're a failure if you're going out there for a sacrifice fly? <laughs> I did not get the sack fly sign. I, I'm, I was hoping I didn't get the bunt sign. I didn't want to have to bunt there. Uh, but... I, you know, I, you would, you're worried. It was first and third, right? So there was one out, first and third. We're losing two to one. I think this is what people don't understand. Like my first thought was, I could lose the World Series if I hit into a double play. That's not good uh, sports psychologist talk. So but I, negative. Counsel, counsel. It, it is. That's probably that real. Runs but contra- it's, it's human, man. That's what happens to you. That runs contrary to what greatness is supposed to be in those moments throughout the history of time. You're supposed to imagine success, not the worst well, case I, scenario. I got, I got it out of my head, and then I said, you know, and then I said, I'm just, I'm swinging. Like, no matter what, I'm swinging um, because I'm not going to, this is like, then I got the kind of positive stuff in my head where, like, this is the at-bat, like, every kid dreams of thought in my head. And so I said, I'm swinging, and if something bad happens, it's going to be because I swung all right, we've got a lot of questions. Uh, first question, though, before uh, anything else, is it okay to you that Billy began crying in, before you're at bat, that Billy in the stands, he was uh, watching this, and he started crying in the eighth inning as a Marlins fan? Is is that okay? I think it is, man. I mean, he was... It was he was in it, man. He was he was all over the game. It was like the most important thing in the world to him. That's the beauty of this, right? That's the beauty of sports for sure. I mean, I don't I don't know if his parents were had to put up with him crying for about an hour. That might have been a little bit of a pain, but too early. It was good. too early to be crying. Chris, what do you have? What do you have for Craig Council? When I rewatched Game Seven a couple nights ago, one of the funny things I learned was seeing Craig Council's reaction because as soon as the ball is caught. He turns around real fast to look at Moises Alou running home, and you kind of see him give a hurry up as if Moises Alou, because the ball was hit so deep, was kind of just taking his time. And you see Craig like, go, go. So I'm wondering if you remember being a little frustrated with Moises Alou <laughs> saying, like, come on, this is a big run. Can you hurry up here? I, I was. That's ex- You got it. You nailed it. I wanted him to go. I mean, I knew he was going to score, but it was like, hey, I did my job. Let's just make sure, you know, the, the run scores. So. I didn't, uh, again, it was a little bit of like, hey, I you just want to do your job. And, um, you know, it was Mo didn't have to run hard, but, but I would have preferred that he scored like the second I hit it. Um, and I, that's what I was doing. I was saying like, Mo, get home, get home. So, so make sure I did my job. Oh, you thought, you thought it was still going to be a double play somehow. Uh, Billy, what do you have <laughs> for Craig Council? In my defense, and I think Craig can attest to this, when your team, you're fielding Jim Eisenreich, John Cangelosi, and Craig Council, and you're facing the 1995 Rollades Relief Man of the Year and Jose Mesa, it looks like things are pretty hopeless. <laughs> I would agree. I would agree. I would agree. Things. No, I mean, I, I, Jim Eisenreich was a really good hitter. He, he was a he was an outstanding hitter. 
you know, the other guys did their job. And so I, did, I didn't have to get ahead. I just had to put a ball, get the sack fly sign, like you said. But I joked about, like, the worst guy on the field. But, like, when you look at the players that were on the field for those, for, like, the World Series games and, like, Game 7 of World Series games, man, they're, they're great players. And so the, the Indians lineup was, like, Every dude in the lineup was either in the Hall of Fame or has gotten votes for the Hall of Fame. So it's Tommy. Tommy was batting sixth. They seventh, told me this man. yesterday yeah. that Tommy was batting. You said seventh, Stugat. Yeah, he Manny was batting third. Tommy was batting seventh in that lineup. Jim Tommy was batting seventh. Uh, hold on a second, Billy and Chris. Give me Roy. Give me a thumbs up if you have more questions and would like another segment before I ask Craig Council to stay for another segment about his sacrifice fly. Do you guys have enough questions that you want him to continue on with us here? Okay. Okay, we got thumbs up here. Uh, Council, <laughs> you want to stay for another segment and an- answer a bunch more Sacrifice Fly questions? I'm in. I'm in. When Sacrifice Flies are hit, this show shows up 23 years later to do the interrogation. <laughs> we have a lot of questions about Craig Council's Sacrifice Fly in 1997. Uh, Chris, what else did you have for the manager of the Brewers about a sack fly that he barely remembers because he was scared and thought he was going to hit into a double play? Craig was a young player at this time, and as he said, he said in the last segment that he felt like he was the worst player on the field. And I was, I'm wondering if before that last at bat, where you had not your last at bat, but before the at bat with the big sack fly, were you worried that Jim Leland was going to pinch hit for you and replace you with Alex Arias? <laughs> that's a great question. Um, that is, that is, that's uh, Alex Arias, great name. Um, no, I, I was, I was confident that that Kurt Abbott. Kurt Abbott had already hit, I think, when watching the game. I think I saw Kurt Abbott hit like in the sixth or the seventh. He was usually the guy that hit for me. So I was, I felt like I had the rest of that bat. Hold on a second. Stugat, what are you laughing about there? Are you just laughing about the name Kurt Abbott? Cause it is not as funny as the name Alex Arias. You are, you are totally wrong if you think that Kurt Abbott is a funnier name than Alex Arias. No, I, I'm laughing at Arias. I'm laughing at Abbott. Um, I'm laughing at Council feeling secure knowing that Abbott had already gotten a bat. Like, <laughs> I'm laughing at all of it. I mean, all right. Mike <laughs> is furious in the background demanding that we put it on the poll. Okay. Funnier name, Kurt Abbott or Alex Arias. Uh, Billy, <laughs> What do you have for Craig Council? Well, this is something, Craig, that's always bothered me because you did, obviously, your time with the Marlins. You won the World Series, which obviously wasn't very impactful in your life because you don't seem to remember any of it. And then you went to the Diamondbacks and immediately won a World Series with them. And you broke the Marlins record of winning it in five years by doing it in four years with the Diamondbacks. And, like, that's never kind of sat well with me, Craig. Nothing personal against you, but I feel like you kind of betrayed the Marlins by doing that. And I just want you to tell me that you liked your time with the Marlins better than your time with the Diamondbacks. You need to hear that, Billy. You do. I, I, I loved my time at the Marlins. They, they ditched me. They, they ditched me. They ditched me. What are you going to do? So I had to wow. move on. Look, right. he's going yeah. the other way on that. He's saying oh, he's betrayed yeah. and hurt and scorching the earth 23 years later, saying the Marlins betrayed yeah. him. And so he went into the loving arms of the Diamondbacks. He's... Craig, you wouldn't have been in the big leagues. You wouldn't have been in the show if it wasn't for the Marlins. (laughs) Council, do you realize how absurd it is that you were the worst player on the field in two Game 7s of the World Series? I know, I know. It's it's all come it's all come full circle in the last week. I've watched both the games with my family, and, and I had to confess uh, had to confess it to them. And, and and you know, you hold out hope that you were like cooler like 23 years ago. You were cooler than than you are now, or that that your kids perceive you. And it, it just hasn't worked out that way. You uh you you have uh you have you hadn't seen the other game seven either. 
I had again. I had it's the like the first five innings of the game. You never, you know, I've never spent time watching the first five six innings of the game. No. Since you watched that game for the first time and you watched it yesterday, um, just so you know that since that game, there has been a theory floating around. I'm assuming you watched it with the volume up. Uh, did you get the feeling that Bob Costas was rooting for the Indians and not the Marlins as you watched that game seven unfold? That's a good, yeah, I, I could see that. And I would say because, you know, it, it wasn't that the Marlins were around for five years. So the Indians hadn't won in ever, right? Or however long it had been, 100 years. And so it would just been, you know, I think Bob Costas wanted to tell a great historical story, which he probably had lined up, right? And he couldn't tell it. That's right. Uh, but you heard it in his voice. So right. he is confirming it 23 years later that Bob Costas was biased. What else do you have for Craig Council, Chris? <laughs> Craig, I've seen it speculated on the internet in the depths of the internet that you missed home plate on that game-winning run in the game, on, in the game the seven. Is web. there any truth to it? On the dark web, that that is that's dark web. No, that's false. That is false. But it's I'm sure it's out there. There's no question it's out there. That is false. I've, I've, I I do have proof of that. Uh, Craig, thank you for tolerating our inanities. Uh, those guys aren't joking though when they say that it's the greatest sack fly in the history of sack flies. Thank you for being on with us, sir. If you can ask a question about Alex Arias, I, I'm sure they believe it. I like Craig Council's candor. I don't know. I sucked. I don't know. He's just doing what I got to do. And the guys at Dan Levitar going deep. They seem to know more than Craig Council knew, and Craig Council was in the game. I thought that was interesting. Always in the game, Hawk and Crowder. Hawk is at his home in West Palm Beach or something like that. Crowder's in his home over in Davie. Got a raggedy-ass desk, and we're going to hear from them next on the Best of the Joe Show. And we're back on the Best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. My name is Dan Day, D-A-N-D-A-Y, and that'll do you some good because every day's a Dan Day, and you can follow me every day on Twitter at Dan Day Radio. And usually during the day, I'm teaming up with Hawk Crowder Solana for the Hawk and Crowder Show. But lately, duty calls and I've had to work more mornings. So I've been here early in the morning, going to bed like 8, 30, 9 o'clock at night, getting my partying done early. And then on the weekends, really get my partying done early and then just kind of chilling out. You can always chill out, of course, with Hawk and Crowder, 3 to 6 here on 560 The Joe. Hey, got some good stuff for you. Crowder is live from his raggedy-ass desk. NFL, fast and furious, and so the Dolphins are totally in on that. Got the headlines, plus crunchy or smooth PB&Js. Getting used to doing this pandemic style. At my house in Boca, Crowder over his raggedy-ass desk in his house in Davie. <laughs> you going to keep calling feel, my desk raggedy, huh? Feel bad for your setup there, man. <laughs> We're going to do a GoFundMe before the end of the week is, uh, is out. I do want to get to this, though. I kind of wanted to start the show this way. There is a lot of talk and a lot of information starting to come out regarding the Miami Dolphins and who they might be looking to draft or how they might be willing to draft. So don't get it twisted. It's April. Even with coronavirus, 
and social distancing and self-quarantining, all that comes with the NFL draft is firing up right now. It's NFL draft season. That means the information is going to start to trickle out and then it's going to come in a fast and furious manner and it's going to be up to everyone, us, the listeners, writers, everyone to figure out what's good info and what's bad info. So I know we're in this interesting time where we're all, we're all working from home and, and the NFL draft really, other than WrestleMania this weekend, is the only game in town. But what started to happen yesterday when Armando said, you know, uh, the Dolphins would be looking to trade all their or, or, or trade Cincinnati for the number one pick if they could get it done. And then Adam Schefter comes out yesterday and says the Dolphins may not be as interested in Tua Tonga-Valoa as people have started to believe. All this information that's coming out, this is what happens every year around draft time, right? This this isn't anything new. It's the game. You got to play the game. If you're not playing the game, you're losing in this time of year. This time of year is the smoke screens, the real information. Yes, you have to shift through it all because every team knows that everybody that calls one of their coaches, they're trying to get information for a reason. They're not trying to tell their grandmother. They're trying to tell somebody else. You got to play the game this time of year. Right. If Adam Schefter yesterday, which he did, he comes out and he says the Dolphins may not have as much interest in Tua Tagovailoa as people think, that information is coming from somewhere. Now, where is that information? coming from it could be coming from someone within the Dolphins organization because they have a significant interest in Tua Tonga-Valoa but they don't want San Diego or Los Angeles to know that so that they don't have to trade up like there's a lot of jockeying there's a lot of chess playing going on right now so we're gonna try to sift through it all to me this is fun I always love the uh, NFL draft time of year I love trying to figure out what they're gonna do I love being surprised on draft night when they do whatever they're going to end up doing. So this is all fun, but I do want everyone to understand, it's April. That means the information and the misinformation starts to ratchet up to a level, and we're kind of all off our game a little bit, obviously, because uh, because coronavirus has us thinking about other things, worried about other things. So I'm just kind of doing a little heads up. Hey, it's April. It's draft season. These football teams, we know that we're going to get through this pandemic at some point. Is it a month from now? Three months from now? 12 months from now? I don't know. But at some point, we're all going to get back to our normal lives. And that means NFL general managers are going to have to live with the picks that they made and live with the trades that they made or didn't make. And that's why this time of year is fun. But that's why I warn you again, this is the time of year you're going to hear a lot of information, kind of up to you to sift through it, figure out what's right, what's wrong. And we may not know till draft night. Yeah, and you have to do stuff like I've thought about this with the Dolphin talk where we needed pass rushers, we needed trenches. But for real pass rushers, Kyle Vinoy, we brought in him, he's a pass rusher. You bring in Ogba, you bring in Shaq Lawson. Do we need to draft a pass rusher early? Because that was on the list. Now you bring in Jordan Howard. We needed a running back because we were the worst running team. We needed linemen. We brought in a guard in Eric Flowers and a center in Karras. We still need a tackle, but we don't need a cornerback. But everybody knew we needed a cornerback because Nick Needham can't be your number two guy on the side of Xavier Howard. They, they addressed a lot of problems in free agency other than the quarterback. So now, just, just thinking a little deeper, if I was the Dolphins, Every team is saying, oh, they're going to go get Tua. They have to get a quarterback. Why don't we float out something on Burrow? Why don't we float out something on on, on Love? Why don't we float out something on Herbert? Why don't we keep the other people guessing? Right. It is chess. You hit it on the head. It's chess. 
People are looking at acquisitions and trying to figure out your hand. So don't show them your hand. This is poker. This is chess. This is what this time of year is. And Chris Greer, I believe they're playing it right. I don't know where Armando got his information from, but was it a lie or was it the truth? Armando doesn't know and we don't know. Yep. We will all find out together. So again, that's kind of my heads up that, hey, it's drafts. Let's get headlines with our own Alejandro Solana. And by the way, you kind of have to sift through whatever info you get from Solana as well, because half of it is misinformation. This is completely unintentional. He's trying to deliver you quality headlines. He's just not good at it. Bro, he's year-round, though. Go ahead, <laughs> Solana. He's year-round. <laughs> he's always keeping us guessing. It's uh, a great introduction there for me, Hawk. Thank you. <laughs> I will start uh, with some serious local news here in South Florida. Uh, Just about an hour ago, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, he announced he will be signing an order directing Floridians to stay at home unless they're doing essential activities. The order will go into effect Thursday night. It's a uh, probably a good move by the governor. A lot of people were wondering what was the delay on this. And really, hopefully everybody is practicing self-quarantine uh, and, and uh, self-isolation anyway. But yeah, the official order from the governor will be signed and go into effect. Anything else in the headlines, Solana? Yeah, guys. Major League Baseball has canceled two London-based games between the Cubs and the Cardinals due to the coronavirus outbreak. All right. Anything else happening? The All-England Club has announced the cancellation yeah. of Wimbledon. It is the first time since uh, World what? War II. Wimbledon. It is the first time since World <laughs> War II that Wimbledon is canceled. I believe you announced that Dumbledore was canceled. What did you say? <laughs> you said Wimbledon. Uh, I mean, in Uruguay, we pronounce it Wimbledon. So you can't uh, sometimes, Dumbledore. sometimes I get confused. <laughs> Wimbledon. He, he canceled. This dude canceled Dumbledore. <laughs> All right. What else do you have in the headlines? Maybe we can get some Quidditch. You think we can get some Quidditch? (laughs) Actually, there you go. I'll bet on some Quidditch games. All right. What else do you have, Solana? Uh, Wimbledon. (laughs) I've been saving that one all day. The four Brooklyn Nets players who tested positive for COVID-19 about a week ago are now symptom-free, GM Sean Marks announced. Okay. Anything else happening? Yeah, guys. Big news tonight, 9.30 p.m. FS1 is airing The Legend of Josh Rosen. To re- <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know there was a legend of Josh <laughs> this, Rosen. It's a, replay, a it's a replay of the 2017 UCLA game when he threw for oh, four uh, touchdowns, 292 okay. yards All right. in a fourth-quarter comeback versus I thought Texas. It was like a, I thought A&M. it was like a documentary on the legend of Josh Rosen. Josh was a beast in college. We all forget it because he's not that now. Bro, he was something at UCLA. He was a gunslinger, man. Yes. Finally, guys, today is National Peanut Butter and Jelly Day. Wow, I did not know that. I love a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Maybe I'll have one during the show. We should have Doug Plagans on from the Florida Panthers radio network. Guy loves a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. He's been known to have six or seven of them in a day for a snack. If I'm in your house and I see crunchy peanut butter, we cannot be friends. I don't have crunchy peanut butter in the house right now, but I am known, I would say maybe once every three years to get a jar of crunchy peanut butter just to, uh, you know, sometimes. Sometimes I go through an experimental phase. Uh, perhaps you perhaps you can talk to people in my past. Got to go with my man, Crowder, right there. I go smooth on the peanut butter. I'm actually going to go home and make some PB&H, peanut butter and honey sandwiches. But it's not going to be so much a sandwich because I can't find bread anywhere, but I have some old tortilla chips. So they're like giant size, too. So I'm just going to whip out some creamy, smooth PB, PB, and then... Pour some honey, then wrap it all up, roll it up like a big old joint, and eat it. 
and eat it and eat it and eat it and eat it and eat it. And then what other canned goods or non-perishables I have in my house, probably eat that until I'm full. Then I'll go take another walk because that's kind of what you do to exercise during coronavirus. And then Ozark. Ozark, Ozark, Ozark. A little bit of Trailer Park Boys and some more Ozark. That is the world that we live in now. Of course, the world that we live in now gives you a chance to still listen to us all the time. So if you want to download this podcast or any of the podcasts for any of the shows in this radio station, maybe they're not as good as the best of the Joe show because we are the best. It's in our name. Nonetheless, you can do it wherever you get your podcast for absolutely free. Radio.com app for free or go to our website for free. WQAM.com. You've got extra time. So I'll rant and rave more on Twitter. Follow me at Dan Day Radio. Appreciate you spending some time with me. Stay distant. But at the same time, keep rocking. This is the best of the Joe show. Later, slug. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.